Welcome in. It's the Mostly Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Chapman, and my guest for this week is Jacob Feldman. He writes for Sportico, uh, Sports and Tech, and then he also is a producer on Sunday Long Read and the This Day in Esoteric Political History podcast, which I have to ask him about because I just spent about 20 minutes surfing the timeline of uh, that particular entity. But uh, Jacob joins me today. We're going to talk about the new um, Dragon technology, the partnership between the NBA. Actually, it's an expansion of the partnership between the NBA and Genius Sports. That's Second Spectrum, um, player tracking technology, all that good stuff. But there is a whole bunch of things that I would like to speak with you about, Jacob. I appreciate you taking the time. How are you doing? I'm doing great. My pleasure to be here. And yeah, happy to dive into it. Let's do it. Um, let's just start with, let's get the, the personal stuff out of the way first, uh, this day in esoteric political history, how long yes. have you been doing that? I think, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be a follower and a listener now, and I just found out about it about an hour ago, but you had me at Eisenhower and, uh, the squirrels in the garden and the white house in 1955. Just explain Absolutely. to me a little bit about, about that, that whole project. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a perfect recent episode. Great way to jump in if you're curious about this. So this was something that started, you know, half as kind of a COVID, you know, stuck at home project um, with a few friends. Um, it, you know, I, I don't host the show. It's actually hosted by two history professors, one from um, Vanderbilt and one from Wellesley. And so they, 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 they know their stuff. I'm actually in, in the background doing a lot of the research, di- trying to dig up some of these stories to, to feed to them. Um, just like Eisenhower fed some poison to squirrels uh, on the White House lawn in, in the 1950s. Um, but but yeah, basically the, the gist is, you know, we, we all took American history class at some point in high school, kind of learned the basics, these wars, these presidents, these laws, whatever. Um, but I, I studied history in college and I've always just been fascinated by, you know, the stories we're not told or maybe the stories we're told wrong or the, what's left out in the history. And, 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 and the story, that example you mentioned is, is a perfect one because we're having fun and we're showing that there is, you know, a lot more kind of life in, in, in history than, than maybe you, you get in, in school. And so we'll do some recent stuff. Um, you know, we'll talk about playing into the last 10, 15 years of politics. We'll also try to, to dig up some of those stories from, from the past as well. Each episode is, is, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes. So we try to keep it snappy as well. Tell me you've seen the threads of uh, U.S. presidents as pro wrestlers or U.S. presidents as... Oh, my gosh. Yes, they're so good. Yeah, hair <laughs> metal bands. Yeah, I, you know, AI may be the uh, downfall of society, but before we get to that point, uh, there will be some good memes and, and the history ones that I've delivered. That's exactly what I thought. I was like, we were told we would have flying cars and Zoom tubes, and we've got, and we've got ChatGPT and, and AI presidents, but I'm okay with that, I think, uh, as long as I'm entertained as uh, as uh, we all burn. Um, just tell me a little bit about your background. How did you, where do you come from? How did you get, because it, it's a really kind of interesting intersection, what you write about um, sports and politics, and then having that history background as well, you basically sound like you've taken all of my interests and somehow made it, figured out a way to make a living. Hey, I'm a radio play-by-play hey. broadcaster for the Orlando yeah. Magic. Like I, I can relate. <laughs> Figuring out, I wouldn't say figured out, you know, we're, we're still, still on the path, but, uh, but yeah, happy to kind of give you the short version. Yeah, I grew up in North Carolina. Um, you know, went to school for, for history, like I said, and I uh, was always interested in journalism and writing and storytelling. And so, you know, interns, six different places, including the Miami Herald in, in college, you know, every summer trying to go somewhere and do something different. Um, and then uh, briefly at the Washington Post after I graduated college and then started at Sports Illustrated as a fact checker. So it was 2015. Um, so kind of, you know, slowly worked my way up through there, ended up covering the NFL, which, which is, you know, the, the biggest show in town. So I was really excited to, to get to do that. 
for a couple of years with Peter King and all the awesome writers mm. that, that were at SI at the time. So that was a ton of fun. But as I was doing that, you know, a couple of things. A, there's 10,000 people covering uh, the NFL. And so you're always kind of fighting for, for scraps, especially as a younger reporter. But, but B, I really did find myself kind of drawn to some of these larger stories about the way fans watch sports, the way we access sports, the, the question of whether this next generation is watching sports at all. Um, and, and so I, over time, I was covering a lot more of that stuff of, you know, what is the, how is the NFL using Snapchat to reach the next generation? What does it mean if our attention spans are half as long? What does it mean for trying to watch a three-hour game or, or what commercials should look like? On and on and on. Like, to me, you know, growing up, I'm, I'm 30 now. Um, so much of my life was changing in terms of the entertainment and, and how I access it, how I watch it. And sports was saying so the same. It was on the same channels. It was the same, oftentimes, two broadcasters calling the game in the same way with the same camera angles. For the same length of time, you know, while everything else is radically changing. And, and so I was curious why that is. And, and and really over the last couple of years, that has, you know, I think sports has kind of caught up and we can get into in some of the ways, but the way that everything else in the world works now. And so it's been really fascinating to track that transition. And, and like you said, I joined Sportico when it launched in, in 2020 and that they really gave me the opportunity to really dive into this intersection of tech, business and sports and really look at where things are headed. It's, I mean, it's, you, you talk about, creating not a cottage industry but i mean there is there are four massive fields that are all combining mm-hmm. to create that and there's just so much money at stake <laughs> and you see it with streaming services obviously it's a big issue mm-hmm. with us right now um mm-hmm. but i think that is a good transition like the nba so so basically i, I decided to have you on because you wrote a, a good piece in sportico um and i asked to have you on and you very great <laughs> graciously granted my request right. um about this second spectrum partnership. And this goes back. I was, I was with the magic already. I was already working in the NBA when they initially put in all these cameras. And I remember mm-hmm. what a big deal it was player tracking movement. And a lot of kind of what came out of it was like, Oh, and Mikel Bridges ran two miles in uh, last <laughs> night's game. Yay. Right. Um, it, for us, for right. For talking mm-hmm. heads and for idiots who don't understand um, how useful all of this is. And then I also have seen analytics departments, um, uh, high performance departments, basketball operations departments in general, just explode. I used to work for the Pistons for a few years, um, mm-hmm. and I've spent over uh, about a decade now with the Magic. And so there is so much money going into this data that I, I, I feel like it's probably now this partnership has to be. I mean, is there any sort of an estimate how much money is <laughs> is is on the line or is um, is is eventually sort of rolled all into? what this this new this new uh this new set of data is going to provide for 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 the league yeah it's really hard to to know just because like you said there are so many aspects to it you know this i think people's eyes kind of glaze over when they hear the word data but it, like today these days like you're saying the the analytics firms are using this to decide how game is played and we've seen the game evolve so rapidly in terms of three-point shots in terms of you know every team starts with a pick and roll in that like you know, we've kind of recognized what works and what doesn't because of this data. That's just on the team analytics strategy side. Then you have this whole media side, like you're saying. So what stories can we tell? What views can we offer? What information can we provide? That's a whole nother industry. Then we have the whole betting industry, which has evolved dramatically. And that's obviously going to be tied into the data. And you go on and on. I mean, so much of what's built around sports, you add, you know, the merchandising element or the, the in-venue experience is, is, is evolving. There's so many different pieces and it all kind of comes back to this question, and and I think you set it up well there because initially, and even still to this day, a lot of it is okay. Here's what we can do. Here's what we can we can track. Here's the data we can generate, and then what do we do with it? Is kind of a second question, and it often takes a couple of years to figure out 
each time there is this leap in tracking or this leap in this leap in data collection to figure out, okay, what impact is that going to have? And so we're still in that process. We probably will be in that process for quite some time as as people kind of try to think and, and, and new people come along and say, oh, what if we use this data to answer this question or ask this question uh, and see where that leads? Before we get into some of the specifics, I want to ask you about the NBA in general. Have they essentially been at the, or in general, been at the forefront of of this stuff? Yeah, I think definitely on the player tracking side, you know, I think it's a little easier. There's fewer people. It's not as fast as some other sports in terms of, you know, hockey or, or other things. And so they have been, but other other uh, sports leagues are catching up. I mean, we've seen, I don't know how much soccer you watch, but in terms of some of the, the, the variable offside tracking that they're doing there and, and the goal, you know, recognition technology and kind of one thing the NBA hasn't done a ton is, automated refereeing or automated officiating in the way some other sports have. So I think a lot of people are calling that whenever they see this new technology, like, can we shorten reviews at least, or, or, or maybe answer some of these questions automatically. So the, the NBA pushed forward, I think, you know, five, 10 years ago. And now there's a lot of leagues that are really jockeying. And, and at this point, a lot of it is sport and league specific in terms of what, what's our problem and how can technology help us solve that? Specifically? Yeah. That, that's, um, that's very interesting because for baseball, for instance, you know, the NBA doesn't mm-hmm. have a, a, a pitch clock problem or a timing problem. They don't mm-hmm. need to figure out a way to shorten the game, um, mm-hmm. but they do have an officiating issue. I mean, that is something <laughs> that's certainly under the microscope. And I, I'd yeah. say I, I shouldn't say that even necessarily, it's very hard to officiate <laughs> NBA games. Um, mm-hmm. Always but, a topic of conversation though. Yeah, exactly. And, and sometimes I don't think that's the worst thing in the world either. Um, <laughs> There is, but there is a different, like, yeah, like uh, World Cup, you had the, the uh, almost famously now, I think the video went viral of the guy watching the augmented reality in the uh, stadium in Qatar, mm-hmm. watching the World Cup final. Um, and it's just sort of mind blowing stuff. But then that is, you know, there's, as you said, there's the whole media aspect to it. And I have a feeling that everybody's going to kind of go at a similar <laughs> pace with that. Yeah. Um, the application of the stuff. So let's get into to kind of the specifics here. It's, and I've got sure. the, uh, I even went to GeniusSports.com and I got um, <laughs> the press release here. So Second Spectrum and the NBA are developing Dragon, which is a next generation platform, synthesizing millions of basketball data points in select NBA arenas. So this is an expansion of the partnership, which originally was all the cameras in the arena, right? All mm-hmm. the player tracking and, and data that, as we said, goes beyond just the stats page on nba.com this is stuff right. um, that every basketball operations department is using and 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 spinning into um all kinds of new databases and and ways to reach customers mm-hmm. and to to maximize performance from their athletes uh, on down the line this partnership's expansion um will research and develop dragon next generation technology platform that will track mesh data which aims to synthesize mm. millions of on-court basketball data points. I already read that part. Um, <laughs> let me scroll down a little bit here. Um, so they're talking about alternate telecasts. That's kind of what you and I mm-hmm. were talking about, augmented reality mm-hmm. stuff. And then mm-hmm. they spin it into uh, this analytics engine, and they became um, they become what they are calling a – where did they have it? It's like a secondary um, analysis uh, platform. Hold on a second. I just had mm-hmm. – Basketball Insights and Analytics Engine will also continue to provide its services to all 30 NBA teams for Alliance Spec and Spectrum's precise machine learning for key basketball insights and decision-making. So basically, it's a partnership, and obviously we know the NBA is a consortium of 30 different businesses, but it's a partnership with the league and with Mm -hmm. the league's broadcast partners, but then also they're giving information, uh, I I suppose, an equal, equal information to each 
franchise and then it's kind of do do with it what you will? Yeah, I think that's that's right. And, and I think the, the delineation there is key. And, and we're talking about basically the big technological leap here is that I think everyone's probably seen plays often in football, but maybe sometimes in basketball too, where every player is just kind of a dot and there's a bat and it's a ball dot that's kind of moving around and, and you can kind of see, okay, this is what a pick and roll looks like or this is what a defensive switch looks like or whatever. The, the key development here is now rather than looking at dots, you're going to be looking at full body. So they're calling it 3D pose tracking. So you'll see limbs and, and heads and, and balls. And so that allows you uh, on the team side, you know, to track things like, okay, how close is my defender's hand to the player's face when they're shooting, you know, things really granular stuff like that, or how much separation is, is my ball handler getting on his crossover? You know, how, how, how much distance is he getting on a step back? Those kinds of really specific things that you need to see all four feet and hands and, and et cetera to, to measure. And, and so that's kind of the team side. And like I said, we'll kind of see what questions they're able to answer. I'm sure every department has a different question. They've always wanted to know of, you know, you know, how much does Giannis's reach actually matter, et cetera, et cetera, depending on kind of who your players are. Uh, and so that's the team side. And then, yeah, the media side is, okay, if you have this tracking, it's almost in real time and you can see limbs and, and hands and, and heads and balls. What if you took that and all of a sudden you, it looks like a bunch of crash test dummies. What if you put, you know, Spider-Man skins on, on them or, or you gave them wings? You know, you can do all sorts of things because now you're talking about basically animation. You know, it's, it's data. It's not like, it's not just what a camera is seeing. It's a bunch of data points. You can manipulate like a video game. You can spin the camera in any direction. The camera can be inside the ball or coming up from the ground. It, 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 you're ultimately pretty close to limitless. And again, we don't really know what the biggest benefit of that is, but there are going to be benefits to that. And even just on the data side, you know, I think you will be able to answer with data for the first time, who has the best crossover, you know, who, who has the best cross court pass, the best vision. You can start to answer some of these questions that for now are still subjective, even as we are 10 years into this kind of data world. Mm, that's fascinating. So compared to the, that was, I was looking for that explanation, that delineation compared <clears throat> to what it was dots versus what did you say? Uh, yeah, bodies. Yeah, they use the word pose, but body tracking. Yeah, how Typically much sort of skeletal tracking? If you want to be kind of you know a little goth with it, but yeah, <laughs> um, I'll go goth. I'm wearing black right now. <laughs> is it is it ten times? Is it a thousand times as much data? Is there any way to to estimate that in basic numbers? Yeah, well, more than a thousand times as much. Yeah, I think they say million to billion, uh, something like that. Um, so that would be a billion times as much. I mean, because you're talking about you know. 10 data points and then one for each person. And then all of a sudden you have maybe a thousand per person. So yeah, maybe a thousand or, or more um, as many points. And, 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 um, and that's, you know, again, only we can, we, we can talk about the ball elements of it too. I think going back to the officiating, one thing that excites me personally is goaltending, super simple, right? Is the ball at the, at its peak or not? Rather than having to like rewind the, the footage and go frame by frame, data can tell you, okay, it's at the peak right there. He touches it after goaltend. Um, and, and so I, I think the, the specificity of the data, as well as the, you know, ultimate tonnage of, of data, both are going to be really key here in, in the developments that they offer. Okay, quickly, we got to do football. Like, why have we not done that yet in football? That's mm. that one has always bugged me. Uh, in terms of tracking where the football is, it's it's a great question. I, I think it is going to come eventually. I think the groundswell will, will as you were saying, like sports have just been very very uh, stagnant for a long time, and that is slowly changing. You know, they'll tell you there are some complicating factors, one of them being one of the reasons the NBA tracking is so good is that motion capture, caption cameras are great. They can't see through things. So it's hard 
when there's, you know, 10 bodies on top of a football, all of a sudden right. it's going to be a little bit difficult to figure out where it is. That's one thing they'll tell you. Um, we do have some, some different tracking technology that can go through bodies. Um, you know, the, the, the five, kind of the, the technologies in your phone helps you find your phone, stuff like that um, can work even if it's under the couch, for instance. Um, so, so we, we are getting there. The other thing they'll tell you is, you know, some of the time elements of, you know, when is that knee exactly down? Also, you need sensors on the ground or, or kind of force sensors in the knee. So it's a, it's a little more complicated, but it's not that much more complicated that I think within three to five years that will be answered. But until then, yeah, we will be a few more, a few more chain gang um, situations will, will, will certainly arise before we get to that, that utopia. How do just personally, how do you feel about um, the element of human error in, in our sports? <laughs> yeah, I have come to accept it as, as a sports fan, as I think anybody should, uh, you know, I think ultimately the way I, and, and as a history uh, major in college and, and a stats minor. So I do have a little bit of that, you know, stats thinking built in. I took enough stats classes to realize I wasn't going to be a stats major. It was basically what happened. Um, yeah, that happened but, to me but, too. Yeah, exactly. But I, I think you have to recognize going in as a sports fan, it takes a while for some people, but there's randomness in, in every in every element of a sporting game. And, and the officiating is just one element of randomness that maybe is a little more obvious. But, you know, you talk about shifting wind conditions or, or the bounce ball or, you know, the, the way a guy's shoe is tight. Like all these little things do ultimately affect the game. It's just we see the officiating ones. And oftentimes the officiating ones are, you know, very specific examples. So we point to, you know, I, I uh, you know, you go back to like that that Packer Seahawks game where you know one ref called uh, a touchdown, the other ref called an interception, and stuff like that. Um, and, and so those are are particularly more egregious. But there's they're just little elements that ultimately sports is a thousand random things coming together to create a game, and, and officiating is just one part of that. So I think you, once you once you come to terms with that, it, it gets easier until your team gets you know screwed in, in the Super Bowl or, or whatever it is. Yeah, I'm from Cleveland, so you don't need any of that. <laughs> Um, no, this is fascinating. And I, I think it's like <sighs> sports radio is one thing sport. I think sports mm -hmm. media is, is another, but it's not too far off. There's a whole lot of, um, stubbornness, conservatism. And I mean, not political, just, you know, right. we're stuck in our ways, yeah. right? We, we view it the way we want to view it. And a lot of us, I'm 39 <laughs> years old. I feel like I've been watching sports my entire life. I've been broadcasting <laughs> yeah. sports for a career. Um, how do you think it, some of this stuff will be met? Like, how is it, how has it been met? Because this mm. is, you know, it's not new that we're trying to introduce augmented reality. And, <laughs> right. um, but if you turn on any sports radio show, you hear him bitching about, like efficiency stats, like not yeah, even analytics yeah. stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I do you think do you think we're ready for stuff like this? <laughs> uh short answer, no. Um <laughs> is, is what I've learned. Yeah, I mean the, the analytics thing, especially um when it comes to NFL commentating, really does irk me more than anything in terms of it's not that complicated to understand, you know, the fourth down decision making or, or the two point try decision making. And that is all pretty simple, you know, algebra level math that you don't need tracking data to kind of understand, okay, you know, if, if we get the first down here, we're going to win the game, et cetera. Um, and, and yet that still seems to boggle people's mind. And especially just the outcome oriented thinking of, oh, if, he, if, he, if they get it, then it's a great decision. And if they don't get it, and Sports Radio talks about it all week, is it's, it's frustrating. And so you'd like to move beyond that. We're not going to move beyond that. I think just like humans, you know, have, have difficulty recognizing the, those kinds of things. And so uh, I, I think the best thing that can happen going forward is that there's just, a bit of a divergence of if you want the game 
you know, uh, shown a certain way or talked about a certain way, you can find that. And then if you want the game with bubbles and, and, and lines and, and stuff all over the screen and numbers everywhere, you can get that too. And, and that's the other benefit of, you know, kind of this, the distribution technology when we talk about streaming and, and the feature of, of sports broadcasting, of just having that optionality in a way that we couldn't, you know, 20 years ago, you had one channel, you had one broadcast that they try to go down the middle so that it appeals to everybody. But going forward, hopefully that there will be, I think, you know, before we get to total acceptance, there will be a world where, you know, stat heads get their own broadcast and, and we can leave the, the the traditional style for the traditional folks. Yep. We're getting there. Uh, customize, yeah. customize, customize, right? Um, yeah. All right. Before we go, I want to go back to, to um, the dragon technology stuff and just sure. kind of follow up on what, how you were describing who's got the best crossover or the, yeah. um, <clears throat> do you think, how about this? Do you think each franchise is going to be able to utilize this stuff in a similar way? Or do you, could, can you see some franchises taking this and just running with it and some going, uh, you know, being sports radio <laughs> listeners or something like that? Right, right, right. Well, I think you tell me, but my impression is that the NBA is pretty uniformly understanding of, of the need to kind of be up on this stuff. Mostly, um, yeah. That's, it's definitely not true, you know, in the NFL, definitely not true in baseball. The baseball is actually getting there to some degree. Um, so I, I think it is sport by sport. And I think what I expect will happen is that, and this is, you know, what happened last time too, is certain teams will really figure out how to use this. Um, and it'll show on the court and then every other team will be like, why aren't we doing that too? You know, they'll be hiring people from that and department, hire et cetera, somebody. et cetera. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and that's just how this stuff, you know, works in sports. Uh, it, it really is a copycat. All of them are copycat leagues in, in so many ways. And so it is on that one or two franchises. And I'm sure, you know, you know, kind of who those are. Um, and, and basketball, and, and hopefully they will, you know, get some advantage from it uh, before before the secret before the secret's out. All right, last thing, I want your raw, unvarnished thoughts on pickleball. Oh boy, uh, raw, unvarnished. I love playing pickleball. I think um, you know that the concept of, of watching it is still pretty foreign uh, to me. Uh, I am fascinated to see. I mean, you're really it, it's just such an interesting social experiment. Because it is a very fun game, but it, it is, it's it's uh, the noise is is annoying. You know, it's a very loud, uh, unpleasant noise for these courts that are suddenly full of people in these neighborhoods. Uh, there's all sorts of you know social dynamics to it, and uh, I, I'm really really interested to see uh, just as kind of like a, a, a watcher of trends. You know, it's almost kind of like a fashion thing of like, is this really going to be cool? You know, is the president going to be doing this? You know, are our A-list actors going to be like, who is going to be playing pickleball or is it just going to kind of revert back to, you know, retirement homes like it was 10 years ago. And, and so it, it's a fascinating cultural question. And there are hundreds of businesses who are trying to really become the pickleball shoe company, the pickleball racket company, the pickleball bar company. We've got one of those here in Boston. I don't know if, if you've been to one of those yet, you know, it's like accidental pickleball, uh, the pickleball dress company hats, et cetera. It's like, it's business frenzy uh, and, and it's social, uh, you know, battle and you got all these tennis players who are upset. It, it's there's so many different factions that are coming into this explosive world. I, I'm really fascinated to see where it goes. And, and and I guess that's just kind of how I'm looking at it for now. Every day I get on Twitter and a new <laughs> ex-athlete or pro athlete, current athlete right. is investing into one of these teams. I haven't yeah. played it. It looks fun. Um, yeah. But also in, in, in full disclosure, I'm pretty sure the yeah. magic have, have, have pickleball interests. Um, and so look, <laughs> I, sure. I, I think it makes a ton of sense. Uh, no, yeah. I, what, what the <laughs> la, and this will be the last thing. 
The part yeah. that I don't understand is the appeal of watching it. I don't think we have room, right. Jacob, for for more viewership in sports in this country. Like, Correct. We yeah. can't. Have you watched the TV product for the XFL or the USFL? <laughs> it looks great. Nobody wants to freaking yeah. watch it because we're, yeah. we're burnt out on football we're good. by February. Yeah. Um, I, I said this about video games, and I realized that there's a whole bunch of money that, that pours into esports. Mm-hmm. I'm just not yeah. sure they're ever going to get any sort of relevant viewership because there's a lot of other stuff to watch aside from dudes <laughs> playing video games. And that right. and, and and people watch that on Twitch and on in in um and they stream it. It's just it's kind of different consumption and i just don't i don't mm-hmm. know I, i'm not sure people are going to sit down and watch pickleball no i think the esports comparison is a great one my uh one of my colleagues evan actually made that comparison a while back i think it is smart that you know seven years ago a lot of people with a lot of money said oh all these people are playing video games let's create leagues and let's have tv deals and let's do franchises and and, and contracts on and on and they still exist but they're not nearly as big as those people hoped or expected them to be uh, and I think that it's the same. Like, just because a lot of people are doing something doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be a professional sport. Uh, and and I, I think there are a lot of business opportunities beyond professional sports. Like, you know, a, a big question is whether they're going to be college pickleball teams or high school pickleball teams. I don't know. I'm not sure why not. You know, if a lot of people are playing this, um, I, I, I could see the argument for it. And then if you do that, maybe you have academies and camps and coaches and there's a whole economy around that, just like there is around, you know, water polo or field hockey or any other sure. sport that we don't watch for a lot of people. Planes. And so I, I think there's a world for, for pickleball to get to that level. Um, but yeah, getting to the level of a professional sport, you know, the commissioner of the Major League Pickleball on the, on the Sportico podcast uh, recently said that he sees it being a top five sport and competing with the NHL and the NBA. But I mean, you know, he's, he's selling these, these franchises and he's selling the sport, so more power to him. But uh, they, they've got a long, long way to go and, and a very, very thin chance, I think, of, of making that level. Just wait till we get the tracking technology in pickleball. That'll be. That'll <laughs> well, I, I think one of the key things about pickleball, and I don't know how much you've been following darts. Darts is another sport that wants to like become the spectator sport. Is is the betting aspect of it? You know, if it if you can film it vertically on a phone, and you know you can show highlights on TikTok, and you can click a couple times to to bet on someone, and the, and the games are very short. I think there are some elements there that do kind of lend itself to. You know, I'm on. The, I'm waiting for you here in Boston. You're I'm waiting for the subway or whatever it is. Um, maybe I'll open this for five minutes and bet on a couple points, and and maybe there is some sort of, you know, uh, world. And that, that just goes back to what I'm saying like I don't think anybody should confidently predict the way the sports viewership world is going to work in t- in ten years. And so yeah, take a shot at this. Who knows? Um, and, and and maybe maybe we're all wrong on it. No, I think that's a fair point. Um, definitely. And uh, this has been great. I really appreciate the time. Um. Darts, God, I can't, I can't wrap my head around that. I'm gonna have to, have to you know what? We're gonna have to do. It. Let's do it again sometime, and we'll, we'll do a whole yeah, other dart tracking. Hour. We'll come back. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk darts, but we'll definitely talk gambling too, because I would love your thoughts on uh, on how that's changed um, our sure. world. He's Jacob Feldman. He's on Twitter at Jacob Feldman Four, uh, and make sure you read everything he writes for Sportico and uh, this day in esoteric history podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, and what's the other one? I had it in front of me again. Yeah, the Sunday Longer as well. It's a weekly newsletter I do. It comes out every Sunday. It's free, highlighting the best long form journalists. You know, like I said, I've always mentioned in journalism, and I think a lot of people will agree. You know, it's a tough moment in journalism right now, and a lot of the best stuff often goes unread and unnoticed because we're just paying attention to the clickbait. And so it's really just an effort every Sunday morning. You know, take carve out thirty minutes and read two or three stories that a lot of time went into them, and you'll you'll leave you know smarter and hopefully you know a little more positive about our news environment is is, is the goal on, on that front. So yeah, SundayLongRead.com. That is uh, that's Yeoman's work, and that was a very good pitch. <laughs> Job well done, uh, Jacob. I appreciate it, man. Let's do it again sometime, okay? Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime. 
That's all right, right on. There he is, Jacob Feldman. Jake Chapman here with you, and we'll be back next week with another edition. It's the Mostly Magic Podcast. Have a great week, everybody. (laughs) 